Greetings, most excellent Theophilus. Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wow, it seems like a over a week of time just to myself has allowed my voice to uh, recover because I didn't feel like I was pressing anything in doing that intro. Um, I felt like I had full mastery of where my what my voice was doing in that. Anyways, it is the last day of 2021. <sighs> and sadly, it means many things. It means in three months, I will be 22. It's such a lame age in my head. You know, 21, that's cool. Um, 23... At least has an interesting ring to it. Um, 22, that's... Outside of a caliber, that's just weird, you know? Um, perhaps if I was turning 223, that'd be a little more interesting. <laughs> um, but no, I should not linger too long, Theophilus, because I have some things I want to cover today. Um, and then I plan on doing a marathon that's going to take quite some time to, well, do. It seems today a beloved American idol, Betty White, has passed away. As once again, 2020 through 2021 takes no prisoners. And I just received a package that I'm opening as I'm recording this. Um... Ah, okay, my Sand Troopers just arrived for Star Wars Legion. Sorry. Um, lost a lot of people in the last <clears throat> few years, have we not? Um, hopefully, Lord willing, this next year will be a little more chill <laughs> in terms of dramatic events. Um, I'll tell you something that's happening next year on this podcast. I bought... Oh, Theophilus, this cost 80 like $85. I did this for you. And for me. Um, I have here Oxford Early Christian Studies, Pelagius's Commentary on St. Paul's Epistle to the Romans. Um, Theodore de, de Brun. Um... Clarendon Press, Oxford. So what this is, is this is like 38 pages. I'm sorry, 58 pages of introductory material. And then Pelagius' commentary on Romans. And then uh, the Latin text he would have had to work with. Um, so we're going to be reading through that and identifying what things Pelagius held to, identifying what he held to that was heretical, that was misguided, uh, so we can better identify uh, true Pelagian and semi-Pelagian notions um, in people's theology, uh, because it's not, as some say, a boogeyman. Um, Pelagius was a real person. He had a real theology. We know uh, what he taught. We have his commentary. Um, if that commentary is not an accurate representation, then I, I don't know what is. But 
Today, Theophilus, I think, will be at the very least a preamble to a larger conversation about high Calvinism. So there's a there's a spectrumal degree of Calvinism, I guess. <laughs> there are hypo Calvinists, uh, which seems to be defined as basically Amaraldians, or <clears throat> they hold to four of the five, um, minusing limited atonement. Um, there are what I would just consider Calvinistic uh, Calvinist. Um, what many would what a uh, high Calvinist would refer to as moderate Calvinism. Um, this is not uh, this is not Neil Geisler. Uh, Norman Geisler, I'm sorry. Norman Geisler. This is not Norman Geisler trying to shoehorn in um, middle ground. Um, this is simply holding to the five points and affirming them, uh, but not holding them up as the definitional gospel that must be held to for salvation. Um, you have hyper-Calvinists who basically take the position that you do not evangelize until you see signs of regeneration, uh, which makes no sense. Uh, because evangelism is how one of the primary methods God uses to regenerate people. Um, just, I don't know. Some people just don't study scripture. Anyways, um, and then there's high Calvinism, who tend to be, in my experience, traditionalist, uh, traditionalistic. So they'll hold to either a KJV onlyism or a TR. A textus receptus only uh, position uh, as far as what text of scripture, what uh, critical text critical uh, view of scripture they're holding to. Um, uh, moreover, um, <clears throat> they will affirm that Calvinism is the definitional gospel that must be held to uh, in order for salvation. So I would fall not into that category, Theophilus. <clears throat> um, oh, more, moreover, the, the conclusion of that is that um, while I will agree that Catholicism boasts a false gospel, um, while I believe that Mormonism, that Jehovah's Witness, that um, Islam, that all the religions of man cannot save you, um, that they hold to heresies. Um, I would not join hands with the high Calvinist in saying that Arminians um, cannot be saved, that Arminians are not saved and have a false gospel. Um, because I don't find Tulip, I don't find um, what, I don't find Reformed theology to be the definition of the gospel. Um, not, not in the salvific sense. Uh, and one thing that bugs me when I hear this, this conversation, and there are sadly not a lot of sources that discuss this topic from our perspective. There are a lot of high Calvinists who talk about, um, why we should count Arminians as, um, those we must evangelize, um, or else. Um, there's not a lot of response, um, but one thing that I hear in this is from the high Calvinist, oh, we're not anathematizing them, but 
um, it seems uh, sort of a vain remark because you are saying um, that there is no salvation in what they believe. Um, you are putting them out of the kingdom. Um, and that is what anathema means. Damned to hell. Um, could the Galatians have repented of their heresy for which they should be counted anathema? Yes. God brings people out of damnable heresy every time he regenerates them. Uh, every time he saves them. But it, it seems like a vain platitude to say, oh, we're not anathematizing them. I, sure, not in the sense of you're not giving up on trying to minister to them. Um, you're, not, you're not counting them as lost and just discarding them, discrediting, not conversing with them. And I hope you wouldn't. Um... Now, I do think that Arminians could be consistent in their conclusions, in how they see scripture. But the vast majority of them hold to what I find to be the definitional gospel, what Protestants, what we would historically identify. Uh, the five solas. The Arminian can agree, <laughs> the Arminian agrees with the five solas. That we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, this, this put in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone, according to scripture alone. Now, something important to remember is that not every aspect of theology, <clears throat> of doctrine, is a definitional gospel issue. For example, in Corinthians chapter 1. What does Paul say in verse 17? For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Paul delineates baptism from the gospel. Because if baptism is definitional to the gospel, then Paul would have had to have been sent to preach the gospel, which would include baptism. Do I think that the gospel, that the conclusion of the gospel message involves baptism? That it's part of that repentance, it's part of that turning away, it's that declaration of the change that has been made in us, of the covenant that God has made with his people? Yes. But credo-baptism, pedo-baptism, is that a gospel issue? No. Um, and if you want um, theological and doctrinal perfectionism, it would have to become a gospel issue. Um, and the pedo-baptist would have to hold me as um, being um, damnably unbiblical. And I would have to hold the pedo baptists as being damnably unbiblical. But while I can acknowledge that uh, pedo baptism is not biblical, I have no need to say to my brother in Christ, in the Presbyterian or the Dutch Reformed Church or the Methodist, I don't need to say to them, repent. Uh, what I would like to do is sit down and have a dialogue and let God... Uh, reform them ever to the scriptures to make them more consistent in what they hold to. 
but I don't think their inconsistency is damnable. I think it's merely an inconsistency. I mean, I'm reading from a New American Standard Bible. I'm not reading from uh, the King James or a translation based on the Textus Receptus. In fact, I refute uh, the Textus Receptus as um, the properly preserved, um, uh, textually critical representation of Scripture. Um, there are people who disagree with me. There are some radicals who would make that a gospel, effectively a gospel issue, a salvation issue. Um, such terms as um, well, I, I'm not going to try to paraphrase the quote. Um, just look at the conversation um, between oh, what was that video called? Um, there's a converse, There was a conversation ages ago when um, the King James only controversy came out. Um, three um, KJV only. Well, one was a TR onlyist um, versus three translators of modern Bible translations with uh, a terrifyingly haired, um, head of haired, uh, James White as sort of an arbiter. Um, that was, <clears throat> that's an experience. Um, it's a lot safer to listen to than to watch, because James White with hair is cursed. Uh, <laughs> um... Uh, but no, um, so there are people who would hold that I am in grievous error for my textual, text-critical position, um, as someone who owns <clears throat> a Nestle Along, uh, which I hope to make my New Testament in due time as I get better at reading and under, well, reading, understanding Greek. I mean, I can pronounce most of these words, um... Uh, pistuon, well, that's easy. That's actually the word faith. Um, let's turn to a random page. Uh, mere, mere. Um, yeah, it's, I can sound out words. It's, it's the meaning that, um, I can read the first five verses of John. I can translate them, but, um, you know, um, but anyways, that's, I'm, 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 uh, getting off on tangents. I digress. Um, Um, this could come into the question of, well, what is the Word of God? If I'm saying that the NASB, if I'm saying that the Nestle Alond is the Word of God, but what I'm saying is the Word of God, duh, puts aside the comma Yohanan, puts aside the woman caught in adultery, as added, as not the authentic Theonustos. Um, am I in grievous error? Um, I don't think I am. <laughs> I think the generous person would say I'm inconsistent, and I could be more consistent. The honest TR only is. Uh, I would simply say the same of them, and I would not make it a salvation issue. Um, now I do the gospel 
it is certainly a salvation issue. That is why it is a problem that Rome has a false gospel. That is why it is a problem that any faith that has faith plus works is a false gospel. When you say, as the Catholic often happily can, yes, God monergistically regenerates us. He brings us to faith in the first place. But we are maintained by our own compliance. Well, yes, that does fall under the condemnation of Galatians 3.3. 3. Oh, you foolish Galatians, having been begun by the flesh, are you now being perfected by the Spirit? I'm sorry, I somehow said that completely backwards. Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected or maintained uh, by the flesh? But that's not what the Arminian believes. That's not what the Arminian teaches. They'll teach, just like I would say, we are saved by grace through faith. This not of ourselves, it is the gift of God not of works, so that no man can boast. And in fact, they'll say that faith is of the grace of God. Now, do they have a consistent basis of why they say that? No. Do they have a cons... Do... Um, do they carry out their understandings of certain texts to their logical conclusions? No. In fact, we are often the ones who have to do that for them to demonstrate their inconsistency. The fact that if all means all and that's all, all means you must be a universalist based on most of these passages that talk about Christ dying for all, God wanting to save all. And that comes into the question, does having a different view on what God wants, um, does that tantamount heresy? Um, if I think God wants a cheeseburger and God doesn't want a cheeseburger, is that heresy? Um, if, I, if I think God wants to save only the elect and someone else thinks God wants to save everybody, is that inherently heresy? Is that a different God? Or... Is that merely our perception not being as accurate as it could be? See, we stand today on the shoulders of giants in terms of how we understand God. We understand God in such a more sophisticated and elaborate way as the disciples could have. Do I think they had a sufficient knowledge of God? Certainly. Do I believe they were experiential Trinitarians? Of course, their writings prove it. But I don't think Peter understood. I don't think Peter could have espoused off the top of his head um, the Nicene Creed. Uh, it wouldn't have been, there would have been no reason in his day to argue homo versus homoousios. Um, theotokos versus Christotokos. Uh, these would not be in their minds. These would be products of arguments about these topics coming on later in time. And we now have these knowledges, the knowledge of the, the results of these heresies, 
that led us evermore to declare the, the Bible's clarity on these topics. And ultimately, we must realize that even now, we do not have a perfect understanding of God. We can have a, we have a very in-depth understanding. And I don't, I do not think it takes a rocket scientist to understand the Trinity. You know how I know? I am not a rocket scientist. I glue door jams together. <clears throat> and I think I have a very in-depth comprehension of the doctrine of the Trinity. There are still things I don't fully grasp. There are things that I will never fully grasp. And I may be wrong in how I understand things. Um, and a definition may come down the road on certain topics, on certain things that I hold to, regarding the nature of the Trinity. Um, that maybe, that might put me into heterodoxy. Or let, let's do let's do an example that comes very easy to mind that I know is a controversy today. Um, is God's name <clears throat> Yahweh or Jehovah? Um, well, fundamentally, Hebrews do not have the J vowel or J vowel, the J consonant, um, and the wow was never a V sound, so it'd be. Uh, Yahweh. Um, if if this if um, the Jehovahists were correct, um, but is that is that God's name? No. Uh, if you understand the history of the text, the history of how the Jews viewed God's name, um, if you study the text yourself, you can see, and I've seen, and I can demonstrate from the inter from interlinears that when Yahweh in a sentence would naturally be rendered God. They will put in the vowel, the vowels, perhaps slightly modified for grammatical reasons, of Elohim. And when Yahweh in the text reads better as Lord, they will put in the vowels, slightly modified, probably for grammatical context, of Adonai. Now, do I know the exact reason that the vowels are slightly different? No, but I have seen, evidentially, that the vowelation is different based on whether it reads naturally Adonai or Elohim, or in the English, Lord or God. <clears throat> so, I believe, and I find it to be very evidentially provable and correct, that God's name is not Jehovah, but Yahweh. And in fact, I go so far as to say that Jehovah is an anglicized bastardization of Yahweh. Um, in the same way, if someone a hundred years from now started calling me Sev, I mean, some of the vowels are the same, or some of the consonants are the same, some of the vowels are the same, but that's not my name. That's a very weird contrivance of how to say my name. Um, but I don't think that people who hold to Jehovah being God's name are heretics. I think they're inconsistent. I think they're historically inaccurate. But I don't think they have a different God because they call him Jehovah instead of Yahweh. I don't think God gets that bent out of shape over his name. Um, <laughs> 
especially given that by the time of Christ, Yehoshua was shortened to Yeshua. So Yahweh is salvation. It got kind of shortened, still meaning the same thing, translated into English as Joshua. Now, while the name is accurately translated in English as Joshua, he's allowed the, the church as almost a whole to refer to him as Jesus. So, where you draw these dividing lines needs to be very careful. And I'd encourage people to try to be very consistent in how they draw their dividing lines. Here's one because it very much gets into the nature of God in the, in the same the same way that God trying to save all or only the elect gets into it. Intra versus supra lapsarianism. The most boring topic I've ever heard of. Puts me to sleep every time I hear it. I take a position that holds, I don't think, to either of them. Um, but if 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 it is so specific as to say is god trying to save everyone or only someone and this is gospel definitional this is this is same or different god definitional why is the debate of infra versus superlapsarianism not definitional to whether you are worshiping the god of scripture or not why and again i believe arminians are saved because the gospel is simple. The gospel is something a child can grasp. The gospel is something anyone with the grace of God is capable to grasp. That God incarnated as man. He lived as a man. He suffered and died on a cross bearing in himself our sins so that so that his righteousness might be accredited to us so that we could be forgiven our sins we could believe upon him that god so loved the world that all the believing should not perish but have eternal life he died he was buried and he was risen again on the third day according to the scriptures. And part of that according to the scriptures would logically include the fact that he's dying for sin. You know, elements of the gospel. That salvation is through faith alone, by the power of God's grace alone. That it is not of work so that no man can boast. Tell me one thing in what I just said that the Arminian does not agree with. All you can say is that they're not agreeing with the underlying definition of some of those terms. Oh, he's, di he's dying for everyone. Because you're taking the same position I do on John 3.16 that pas stew on all the believing. It's not, it's not us getting divorced from the original language and thinking whomsoever means anyone is welcome. But that it's talking about everyone who will believe. But again, this is what I'm talking about. 
It was the logical inconsistencies laying under the surface. They are not on the surface holding to nor believing that they are doing anything efficacious to earn their salvation. Is that the logical implication of how they define foreknowledge? If they've ever dealt with the topic? But more, moreover, their definition of foreknowledge would turn into utter insanity. Um, just the reality of Molinism versus Scripture, as I've pointed out before, I believe. Um, but I've had in-depth talks with these people, with, with people like this, who think this way. I was one who thought this way. And lining it up with what Scripture seems to define as the Gospel... Um, I don't, I don't see, I don't see the, the five points in, uh, Corinthians 15. I don't, I don't see the five points when, 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 when Christ is talking to Nicodemus, he doesn't lay out the five points. He simply talks about, uh, what even the Arminian could probably agree with, regeneration. That one must be born again. But here's the thing. Do the premillennials have the same God as the postmillennials? Do the postmillennials have the same God as the ah millennials? Is there a right answer to what view of the eschaton to hold to? Is, is there a proper eschaton? I, of course. Of course. We'll find out. Um... I don't think you have a different God because you have a different eschatology. Um, and I don't think you have a different gospel because you have a different eschatology. Here's the thing. I hate dispensationalism. I think dispensationalists are saved. I think they're very inconsistent. I think they are very misguided with their use of biblical language. But I think they're saved. I believe God even has elect within the Catholic Church who will be saved because they are ignorant to the realities of the Gospel of Rome. But they, in truth, worship God. And they, despite the teachings of the Church, believe that they are saved not by work, but by faith alone. I think there are plenty of old grandmas who have no clue about any of these topics, who wouldn't understand half of what's come out of my mouth in the past 27 minutes, who are saved. Because who are they trusting upon? Christ. The Armenian trusts upon Christ. So there you go. There's my near 30-minute rant, uh, angering mo pretty much all of my Discord friends, because um, they're pretty much all high Calvinists at this point. Um, and next year, we will have probably one on to... Well, we're going to go over some questions that are not related to this topic. We may have discussions about this topic. Um... Plan to do a video at some point of me 
reacting for the first time directly to uh, Leighton Flowers content, uh, which I'm not looking forward to. Um, I, I have to take my, um, I'll have to get an EpiPen because I'm, I'm allergic to, um, hypocrisy and double standards and straw mans. I get hay fever over straw men. <clears throat> um, but we shall transition to, I have some backed some backed up questions. I have probably some new questions uh, that I should address. All right. My apologies, Theophilus. It's been a little long overdue uh, to address some questions. And I may not be able to, I'm, I'm not going to be able to address every single thing that may have been asked uh, because I will forget because I am only human. Uh, I know, I know there was a question that had been asked forever ago that I didn't manage to get to. And I apologize. Um, not that that person, the person probably only watches the podcast when I address their questions. So, uh, if if that. But, um, well, I just realized I forgot to tag people on the TikTok video. So I'm going to do that. And we're going to address TikTok at the end. Probably not going to get any comments from there as usual sadly sorry theophilus but we do have questions on the cord of discs also known as discord um don't know why i keep saying it like that but um yeah so I know something I did not address. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I did not address um, the question. Uh, what is your response to those who say Christ could not die for sin based upon De Deuteronomy 24 and Ezekiel 18.20? So this is basically, the father shall not be put to death for their sons, nor shall the sons be put to death for their fathers. Everyone shall be put to death for his own sin. Well, the father nor the son is being put to death for the other's sin in this scenario. In fact, um, Christ isn't dying for his own sin. You're right. Our sin, the sin of the world, is imputed, is represented in Christ's death on the cross. So that his righteousness, this is the great exchange, his righteousness is accounted to us. When Christ looks upon us, he sees the righteousness of Christ. And when God looks upon the cross, he sees our sin. And he is satisfied in the punishment of our sin. And he is merciful in that we are not the ones being punished. As for the other, I think people much more articulate than me have clarified. Um, this was not, this was for a very specific scenario, um, in which case Israel was saying, well, why does it matter? We're being punished for our forefathers. And it's, no, 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 you're not being punished for your forefathers. You're being punished for your own sin. Uh, that's what the Ezekiel passage is going on about. <clears throat> As for new questions, um, Kale, or sorry, Caleb 
asks, um, how did your year go for you? Oh, sorry, that last question was from a reformed apologist. Um, Caleb asks, how did your whole year go for you? It went, it went, it had its ups and its downs. It had, had its goods and its bads. Um, as far as how this podcast went over the last year, I already did an episode on that. <laughs> you can check that out. Um, two weeks ago. Um, I, I certainly think I might be at a better place, maybe. Now, in some ways, it's, uh, it's a lot grayer. It's not very black and white. Um, Dale Jitsu asks, do you believe that the Decalogue constitutes the um, the eternal moral law of God. Considering it is what is taken over consistently into the New Testament, it is reiterated, um, other than the Sabbath. The only thing that's not reiterated is the law of the Sabbath. Um, and it's, it's what Christ goes to to expand upon. It's what James refers to when he says, if you... Try to keep the whole law, but you fail in one place. You've broken all of it. Um, I think effectively, yeah, the Decalogue functions as the summation. Um, whereas the rest of the laws for Israel were... Um, they were ceremonial. They were to distinguish Israel from the land from the land that they were going into. Um, and many principles still carry over. Um, <laughs> Corinth talks about um, the issue of incest, uh, which, you know, bestiality, you know. Um, but not mixing fabrics. Um, it's it's real, what's important to realize is that this is what the New Testament says, that the law is a shadow of the things to come. So why not mixing the two fabrics? Well, Christ is pure, not mixed. Does not leaven in with the bread. Uh, the same imagery that goes into the unleavened bread, um, into the keeping yourself separate from the world. We are to be in the world. We are not to be of the world. Um, it's all of the symbology, but in the New Covenant, for the man of God, the woman of God, there is freedom in Christ to know that idols are nothing. We can eat food sacrificed to idols. Really, it means nothing. But for the sake of the consciousness, for the sake of the conscience, we should not partake when, when it's been told to us. We should not encourage other people um, to continue in their idolatry, even though for us this food is, this food is pure. Um, we should not declare what God has made clean as unclean. That's why we should give thanks. Thanks in whatever we eat. Um, so that it is holy. It is blessed. Um, yeah. <laughs> we, we don't carry out the judicial punishments of the law. We recognize that we are not a, 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 a physical kingdom nation on the earth. Um, we are vassals of a spiritual kingdom that is coming. 
Um, as such, we are not the judges, not yet. We are not judge jury. God will judge people, and he will judge them righteously in a way we could only ever hope to do properly. Um, and that's the funny thing, is that the Torah observant will have to agree with that. They'll have to agree that we cannot carry out a Levit Leviticus 2013 uh, and many other passages that tell us what to do, how to punish people. Um, lovely and <laughs> terrible inconsistencies, because uh, they're actually adding works into the gospel. Um, my phone just went to sleep. Wake up. Wake up. Uh, what are your views on the different schools of apologetics? I am a presuppositional evidentialist. God is real, and I can prove it. <laughs> uh, nature declares the glory of God. You can look into science. You can look into history. Um, and if you're willing to think critically about it, God is the the explanation for all of the problems with it. Evolution doesn't make sense. Got you got trees that drop cones encased in resin that a fire must come by in order to melt the resin so that the trees can pop propagate. Generation one of that tree was burnt to a crisp and never had children. Or uh, I don't. Because logically, the idea would be that the resin would be an adaptation, right? Uh, so that the underbrush fires would not destroy the cone, but would actually release it just right. So again, generation one of that, it's just gone. It's just burnt to a crisp. Um, or perhaps, I don't know, it's, it's complicated. It makes no sense. Um, of course, they'll argue, well, <laughs> the funny thing is they have to basically argue against speciation, in order to defend the insanity of the model they're giving to us. The idea of evolution, of palpable evolution, is speciation. That's what macroevolution is. A species becomes so distinct from where it was before that it's a new creature. That's what speciation is. It becomes a new species. But what they're trying to argue is that, no, it's the same species throughout time. Oh, I'm very different from the fish you think I was. And before you think I was a fish, you think I was amino acids coming together, even though abiogenesis doesn't occur. This is a theory that we gave up on long ago. Flies don't just appear from meat. And there's my evidence to say that the only reasonable conclusion is God. God created man from the dust of the earth, not from an ape-like creature. Old earth creationists. I think the good thing to do is to marry these two schools together. And I think the problem is when, when you take evidentialism on its own. And this is part of the problem, is that people who normally take evidentialism on their own, they are philosophers before they are theologians. They are William Lane Craig. They are 
Um, they are Frank Turek. And these men are philosophers. They are Molinists. Um, I wish I wish they'd come to a better way of argumentation <clears throat> about things. A better answer for the problem of evil. Uh, one that actually glorifies God. Not one that makes God subject to a cosmic card dealer. Of course, they wouldn't necessarily come to a conclusion that it does make God subject to a cosmic card dealer. Um, but Craig has a bigger heresy to fry with his Neo-Apollinarianism. Something that's very truly heresy. But, yeah. And those are my questions for today. Um, and that was my topic beforehand. My intro of affairs. It seems like there's only one thing left to do that I normally do. No boy. Man, it's the end of the year. This is the last Theophilus of 2021. Next year's 2022. Wow. Are y'all ready for the sequel? <laughs> to the worst year of this century? <laughs> um... Ugh. Well, I'll tell you, Theophilus, we have some things in store for next year, and we'll see where God takes us. We'll see where God takes this show. We'll see where God takes me, uh, what's brought into my life, which will trickle down into what I'm bringing into yours. Um, again, like I said in the anniversary, thank you, Theophilus. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for tuning in, for listening, um, for, as Paul said, putting up with a little of my foolishness, as you already have. It's been a journey. It's been real. It's been fun. And compared to gluing door jams together, it's been real fun. I hope to do more. Um, I hope to be doing this when my hairs are gray. If the Lord wills. If the, whatever the Lord wants for my life. That's, that's the best place for me to be, <laughs> isn't it? So, without further ado, I need to find my NIV. Turn with me, Theophilus, one last time for 2020. To 2021. <laughs> to Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 through 12. Remember, Theophilus, as I said from the beginning, Jesus spake these things to his disciples, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. 
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you on account of Christ. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Most excellent Theophilus, go in the peace and love of our Lord and of and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Happy New Year.